You are unmuted. Have we ever had that song as the opening song? I can sing that one, you know. We did a Green Acres is the place to be. Far living is the life. Actually, there's a really interesting story. It's funny you brought that one up because in the really early days of podcasting, like 2005, I'm going to say early 2005. Um, I tried a little experiment. It worked phenomenally well. Um, I got the music for Green Acres, just the uh, the soundtrack, no nobody singing, just mm. the music, and I sang the male part. Okay, mm. and um, um, the way we do the music on this show, just basically played it on the speakers and recorded it, and I sang the male part. And I threw it out there, and I said, "Anybody want to do the female female part?" And uh-huh. Amy Lou who's one of the regulars. I'm sure you've seen her around here and there. Um, she did the female part. It was hilarious. And, uh-huh. and then all these other people started singing harmony with us. And uh, the Green Acres song became a phenomen- phenomenon in the podcast of fear. Really? Sphere. And we also, then we did um, uh, Dixie. Dixie, way down uh-huh. south in the land of cotton. So you're trying to tell me you invented karaoke. Is that what you're saying? No. No, this is not karaoke. <laughs> this is way different from karaoke. This is choral singing over the internet that is um, disjoint in time. Mm-hmm. So it was really phenomenal. It was a community. Mm-hmm. Is, we're going to talk about community today. So. Yeah, we are. This Perfect. is Rebooting the News number 89. I'm Jay 80, Rosen. 89. This is my podcast partner, Dave Weiner. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and I was speaking British before, but I'm not going to speak. No. <laughs> Don't try that. <laughs> I have British relatives. I can actually get away with it, but that's all right. I'm not going to do it. As a uh, close reader of your blog, scripting.com, I noticed something very cool lately. You like that. Which is that on the right side of your blog, you now have what you used to call your link blog Mm -hmm. displayed, which isn't your Twitter feed, but it's... It is my Twitter feed. It is. Absolutely. But if there's something in your Twitter feed that doesn't have a link, that would be there? Yeah. If oh. it came through my content management system, it's there. Okay. Which is like about 98% of all my tweets now are coming. You know, people say, well, Dave, when you leave Twitter, what's going to happen? Well, I've pretty much already left Twitter. So that's they're coming from – so it's not exactly my Twitter output, but it's very close to in my entire Twitter output is there in the right margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it made a big difference. Made a big difference, and this sort of brings you full circle to where you started in a way, S- right? Similar to full circle, yeah. I mean, when Scripting News started, um, it was basically a link blog. And uh, um, and so if I wrote an essay, it would be on the DaveNet site. And I would point to my essay alongside everything else I pointed to. Usually it would be the first link. I'd, I'd leave it as the first link on the day. Um give it a little extra prominence because I wrote it. But otherwise, it was no more significant than anybody else's. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, my content management system got a little bit better, and I was able to have both on my homepage, both essays and um, links. Mm-hmm. And then that started causing – then Google Reader started becoming really popular, and it couldn't handle my links. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly getting complaints from people that, you know – you know why can't you why can't your blog be read in Google Reader and I would try to explain to them that, that well since I came first 
I think it's really up to Google Reader to explain why they can't read my blog. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Eventually, I got tired of that, and I just said, the hell with it. And I stopped putting the links on my site. And then two weeks later, Twitter comes along. Mm-hmm. And really, literally, it was like two weeks after I did that. Mm-hmm. And t- along comes Twitter, and now I've got a place to post my links. So right. when I forgot about this idea that I still had people reading my blog, you know. And they tend to be people that are, f- like, personal friends of mine or people who were reading scripting news before Twitter came along and Mm -hmm. never really got into Twitter. Mm -hmm. And for them, I've just sort of gotten a little bit more quiet. I still write, you know. Right. And they still, you know, get to read my stuff. But they never, there's a whole. But if they weren't following you on Twitter, they lost the daily There's a whole aspect of what I do that they're not up on, you know. And it's kind of unfortunate because that includes like my mother, for example. She doesn't have Twitter. Right. I've tried to introduce her to it. She has a Twitter account, but she never goes there. And and now all of a sudden there's this whole wealth of stuff for her. And uh, one of my best friends who lives in California, all of a sudden he's reading all this stuff that's and then f- really interesting things happening is my f- my numbers are going up mm. it's like 25 percent more just as a result of now i know what that. people are going to say they're going to say uh well a lot of blogs have the their twitter feed installed on the right side yeah. what's what's the difference well uh, this isn't coming from twitter this isn't approved by twitter it's this not an application that interfaces with twitter not a, not at all it's coming straight out of my cms Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with Twitter. And that's going to be, like, important because Twitter is um, sort of hacking off limbs, trying to find a business model in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sort of like they have – I just imagine them having these meetings where they're sitting around <laughs> saying, well, I think there's a business model here. Let's put some ads on They this. gave up on the dick bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, they gave up – oh, I know you love that. I know that made you so happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, it's like you won't have the dick bar to shoot <laughs> around anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are so many things you can do. It's so That's a hilarious versatile. episode. The it's, whole thing is a hilarious episode. Well, but because it, it's the um, Molary and Curly uh, uh, School of, of Software right. Development. <laughs> I mean, it's like, sure, let's try this. And never mind... We, you know, to them it doesn't like they don't use Twitter. So what the hell? They don't know what it, what it Twitter. Uses. Where did you come up with this? They don't use Twitter. They How do you know that? I can tell. What it, you can tell? Oh, believe me, this is what I do for a living. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for thirty years, Jay, and I know when people who develop their products don't use their own product. You uh-huh. can totally tell. Uh-huh. They do boneheaded things like dick bars. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, all you have to do with the dick bar is sit down with it for like five minutes and realize that nobody tried the damn thing out before they did it because when you click on the the keywords and stuff like that it gets you to spam Mm -hmm. it's like not getting you to anything anybody would in their right mind want to see right so if the engineers now maybe the engineers working on it use twitter but nobody listens to them okay Mm -hmm. um i pity the poor guy who wrote tweety which is the software they had to put in because that guy really I'm, believe me, he uses Twitter. And he probably, you know, said, over my dead body. And they said, fine, we'll hire somebody else to do it or something like that. Hmm. This is how Silicon Valley companies operate. You know, and no, Dick Costello does not use Twitter. I mean, he really does not. You're, you and I use Twitter a lot more than he does. Hmm. Have been using it a lot more intensively. We think about it a lot more. Um, and I don't have, you know, I can't give you the stats on this. But it's just as plain as the nose on your face. That they should have a user's council. 
Nah, that's too late for that. Too late for that. No user in their right mind is going to counsel, and they wouldn't listen anyway. Yeah. Well, there would be no point having a user counsel. <laughs> yeah, you know what they call this is user testing or market testing, or they could have like skipped this whole exercise and not shut down. You know why they shut down all the app developers was so that they could do the dick bar. They co- hacked off the whole developer community just so they could do this. Oops, didn't work. What did Fred Wilson say about that? About what? Just what you said, shutting down the developer community so they could do the dick bar. Why would you single out Fred Wilson out of all those people? Just wondering. He has a, y- interesting views on these things, and he you is think an investor. Dick Wilson, you think Fred Wilson's like a really nice guy, and you know he's going to... Didn't say that, no. Okay, well... Uh, nice guy, no. I think Fred Wilson, Didn't you know, it's funny. That. You're the first person that's ever asked me about this, and I have a quote ready for this. <laughs> I think Fred Wilson, he wrote a piece on his blog last week, you know, where he said people should quit at the top. And God, I was totally thinking of him when I read that piece, you know, it's like this guy's got like more money than God. He's got to be worth a billion dollars, Fred Wilson. A billion? Sure. Oh, absolutely. He's had a lot of cash out events. Uh-huh. Oh, several hundred million at least. Okay. Okay. I mean, what's the difference between several hundred million and a billion anyway, right? True. Not a whole lot of difference. You and I will never know that, right? But no. but but we can see that you don't have to know. <laughs> you can extrapolate. But well, so why go down with this thing? I mean, this is like really, you know, screwing up his reputation for being a nice guy. You know, I mean, I have met him. He was perfectly nice to me, uh, but that is not the basis for my question. Right. Um, no, I don't know. He hasn't said anything about it. Nobody's even asking him about it. That, that's how dead this whole thing is. Well, before we leave the link blog, I wanted him to say one more thing about it, which is... I have a lot of things to say about uh, it. Right. Your but. style of linking, your brief style of linking before Twitter greatly influenced my Twitter style. Really? Yes. Oh, that's nice. The way that you used to do links and the way that you pointed the things and the concision with which you did it and... Hmm. The fact that you didn't always explain exactly Isn't that nice, what though? was behind the URL. You mean like a little bit of a tease in there, right? A little tease, right. Yeah. Um, really taught me a lot. And also the minimalism of the whole thing. Uh, I, I've always thought the aesthetic of scripting news was minimalist. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and very modern, modernist in the best sense. Mm. Uh, so anyway, all those things were really impressive to me. And when I... Started to put a lot of writing concentration into Twitter. I know that I was heavily influenced by that. So I just oh, wanted thanks. to tell you that. And I love the way that the link blog now shows up on the right side of your, uh, on the right side of your blog. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And if some people are coming back to daily check-ins with Scripty News as a result, I think that's pretty cool too. Well, it's not just that. The, 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 the increased circulation also comes from uh, if somebody's coming in to read one article... Uh-huh. They'll find the five right. articles linked in the side. Not just mine. This is all part of the whole philosophy of, of you know, people come back to places that send them away. So if, yes. if like Drudge Report, two, for example. Right. If two out of the five links in the right sidebar are to my stories and 18 of, the, of them are to other stories, that gives people a strong incentive to come back to this place. It's not just not just self-referential it's, right. it, it's sort of like this is what I'm reading this is what I'm interested in this is what I think an informed person would want to know about right and uh, so but I want more people doing stuff like this and this sort of leads into this idea of like 
bringing back community and redefining smaller communities than just these monster multi-million user communities right which are you know hard to get a handle on right but then there are communities that are defined by other affiliations and that it's going to be interesting to see um there are there's a move towards that actually in fact just in the news today about the and gadget team showing up at SB I was Nation. very interested in that news. Me too. Yeah, yeah. really interested. I, I've um, I've met the CEO of uh, SB Nation, mm-hmm. and I've ta- uh, talked with him a little bit about the back end CMS that he uses. And yeah. I don't I don't understand it all. But well, they got well. We I I'm up on it now. I yeah. Mean, so yeah. tell me about it. Well, first of all, they got a little publicity for it today because that's what Josh Topolsky right. said in his blog post. And you know, it's funny. This is like. Church of the Savvy applied to technology very clearly. It was like all these articles written about the, you know, the movement of the people. Mm-hmm. And he mentions very, very clearly that the major reason he's moving is the content tools that they have there. Yeah, it was amazing. He said that, it, that, yeah. that nothing had been uh, inno- innovated but since 2003 so in the content management system at AOL. Yep. Not just at AOL. It's largely in the, in in the, the industry, w- yeah. Right. And, um, I mean, you know, really there hasn't been a whole lot of movement in in that area. But it's just as much a part of the tech industry as anything else. Yeah, and it's I, actually where the editorial industries and tech industry come together. Absolutely. Yeah. And very close to my heart. It's where I Me park, too. It's where I parked my keister for quite a f- for many. I, my keister is still firmly parked right there. <laughs> and, keister, uh, is that a Jewish term? It's a New what York term. <laughs> it's a New York term, Jay. Okay, go on. <laughs> Jay, come on, you're Jewish. <laughs> I am, yeah. So you're Asking me if it's a Jewish <laughs> term. <laughs> Thinking out loud. I think you were bar mitzvahed, weren't you? I was bar mitzvahed, Dave, at age 44, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, but I think they say better late <laughs> yeah, than never, right? right. So I, I got my got application in. <laughs> you got me beat. I was never bar mitzvahed. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had a choice between going to Hebrew school or playing baseball. I had the same choice. That's why I didn't get bar mitzvahed yeah, when I was 13. Sure, totally going to play yeah. baseball. Are you kidding? Right. <laughs> good, I had nice parents when it came to stuff like well, that. Well, I had... I had my mother was working full time. My dad was nowhere to be found. So I it was like up to me to go to Hebrew school on my own. And I said, "Screw this, man." Yeah. Well, I met your wife. I understand. I think that was probably <laughs> had something to do with it, right? No. She did persuade me to <laughs> take a look at this. <laughs> I meant that in the n- absolutely nicest way possible. But I'm, I'm not just saying that. I actually really enjoy your family. I think they're great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything other than that. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, where um, were we? Oh, SB uh, Nation. No, th- right. Oh, so, so, so yeah, I thought this is just as a side note is that why weren't any of these tech bloggers asking about? the blogging tool about the yeah, content system uh, that was very interesting. they were just interested because yeah. you know what because they're not tech bloggers anymore because they're uh they're what passes for tech blogging it's a pure sure sign of a bubble about to burst is that they're they're only these people are really only interested in and only really understand the superficial the business the yeah money. they don't get yeah. the technology yeah but topolsky obviously does sure. and so then i asked the question and my readership is exactly where you want to ask this question because they're all up on it, and qu- turns out quite a few of them. It's a co- it's a community. First of all, it's derived from Coast. I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that was an important piece of data. Very I interesting. Have. Yep. Yep. Although it's been re-engineered, and um, they say, and it's uh, it it has this idea that content can move between 
the readers of the site and the public and can be published on the site and yep. it's it, there's a line but the line is crossed all the time this is what we've been talking about this yeah. is what all of these publications need to become great at okay mm -hmm. so in that sense Topolsky's exactly right now I'm going to talk to their CTO tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow morning I also got a reach out for and they, they they say that I'll like it because a lot of it's built on the stuff that I've been writing or writing about totally yeah, yeah. and um, I'm and very interested. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you why I'm interested in that site. Um, it's a very good example, SBNation.com we're talking about, which is a sports blogging network. Um, now it's going to be a gadget network. Yeah, too, yeah. yeah. Right? It's, it's a very good example of the blog network, which I think is a key um, part yep. of the rebooted system of news. And a blog network is a lot of people who are blogging on the same system who have their local niches and topical niches, but they share a common back end. And one of the results of that is that when there is innovation in one corner of the network, you can easily switch it to or make it available to everybody. And the people who are building and rebuilding and developing the CMS have a lot of little laboratories to work with because the problems that are coming from the users are, are the problems that they take exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. And this is how we did blogging tools, Jay. And this is it's how, a great system. And this is how I'm doing my system now too. Is and mine's different. Mine's different in that uh, I create a piece of software that you can create these communities with. It's all shrink wrapped so that basically you click a couple of uh, links and fill in a few forms, and boom, you've got yourself one of these communities that then you can cluster. I mean, the, then the question is like, well, all right, how do you do it at a human level? But the technology is is very, very, very interesting. The technology and the it's human level interact Absolutely. In, in organic And that's ways. what you yeah. want. That's you want to have yeah. a, a really great virtual uh, uh, feed. You want a really good feedback loop so that the features show up in the product, you know, when they're needed by the users. Well, I think when yeah. you dig into SP Nation, you're going to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. You know and also, Peter Rojas, also formerly of Engadget, is also has a company that's doing stuff like this. Oh yeah. Yep. And I've met with him a few a uh, couple months ago, and the story sounds very similar, as well as uh, Stack Overflow. Uh, there are a lot of instances of this, varying you know, sort of approaches to this idea. But when you say blog networks, I think you know I was going to just interject. The New York Times ought to be a blog network. Ought to be, but and it's not. It will at yeah. some point be that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's a, but it's wonderful to see these guys leading the way. Now, um, well, I'm sorry. I, is, I, I just wanted to take this in a different direction and say that, okay, when news like this comes along, SB Nation comes out, they make a move into a different direction, all of a sudden it's going to be of interest to a lot of publishing organizations. Here, here we are in New York mm -hmm. with the basically huge number of people involved in that business mm -hmm. there's we need a way to convene the best minds in that in the business let's learn about this now okay share this information and then periodically when something new comes along do it again and do it again and do it again a way to a, a venue a forum within which sort of a community of communities in a way because mm -hmm. so, these guys are very anxious 
these SB Nation guys are very happy to tell their story. Yes. They absolutely want everybody to know All right, what so where's doing. the space where they would logically do that? Well, yeah. that's why they're jumping on this. You know, when I, when I put this post up, said, yeah. you know, I want to know about this, they were waiting for somebody to ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, nobody should be waiting for anybody to ask that question. Mm-hmm. We should have that venue where the where where the question gets asked frequently of many people. What would you call this space? I don't really know. I mean, it it I don't know that universities have ever really. I guess they do it in the oil industry, for example. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I went to college in Louisiana, where the oil industry is very big, and they used to have symposiums at at Tulane, where you know the engineering school would host this, and people from the oil and various different components would come and talk. And, guess it's not that uncommon we just don't do it in this this intersection that's defined by what we do on this podcast the rebooting mm-hmm. the news angle is not one that you're going to find it it's, mm-hmm. it's i don't know it's a missing piece hmm. i wonder to I wonder how you react to that I mean, how do you feel about that do you think that would be i think it's harder to create that than it looks mm-hmm. the it's it's easy to identify the need for it mm-hmm. what's hard about it it's hard to get people to commit to something regularly. Yeah, I know. Um, even though it's in their interests, even though you hit the topic correctly, um, it's the very thing that brings all the same people to New York is what prevents something like that from emerging in New York because the n- people are busy. There's so many other things, so many competing events, competing groups. Um, right, and that's not, not to say it can't happen. We'll do it, it can't online. Happen. We'll do it online. Um, but it, it's just, it's just very hard. In fact, one of the paradoxes of uh, being at NYU is, um, because you are in the media capital world, you can get so many great people, right, to come, and not just in media, but would same thing would be true in mm-hmm. film, you know, in finance, in international work, and you can program events here with some world class person. And ten people will show up mm-hmm. because there's also world class jazz that <laughs> night, and you know, world class drinking in the East Village, and and it's just. Do you know the East Village is the number one neighbor, neighborhood for, for drinking? For, yes, for, for bars. bars. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is where, of course, I'm not really a drinker, so this is me like, neither. Why did I put myself? <laughs> like, well, there. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> yeah. Well, you certainly get to hear them though. They they make a lot of noise. Um. Well, we're going to keep our eye on this and yeah, we'll find a new way to and gadget. I want to I want to find a way to flow this information better, you know. Um, maybe Why has there been so little progress in CMSs? What's the fundamental reason for that? That's a really good question. Probably cuz oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's there's lack of leadership. Um Lack of belief in the tech. The tech industry isn't about really about that. It's like they they want they're more into hamster cages than they are. You know, um, you know what I mean by hamster cage. Yeah, really great places for users to come generate their content so that they can put ads on them. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a scam. The tech industry is all built around scamming. You know, and content management is not a scam. Content management is saying. Basically, what we want to do is compete to give you the best tools, right? Right. We're not trying to scam you. And then the only business model that really works for that then is to charge you for those tools, right? And um, and the users, you know, 
It's a good question. I mean, I'm going to offer all my tools are going to be free, Jay. You know, and um, well, the business model gonna, in the Drupal community is people work on free tools. They are open source, and then they create consulting businesses. Right. Off but the you see, that has the wrong incentives in it. Then, then basically, then maybe that's why Drupal's so hard to install and so hard to maintain because because the the consultants have a conflict of interest. Which is they want it to be complicated because uh-huh. <laughs> that's how they then build. They, that's how them. they get the hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what you don't have, and this is one of the reasons this segues perfectly into uh, the thing that I wrote about Evan Williams. That you know, where um, yeah, Evan Williams stepping back as CEO of Twitter. He won't be completely on. Well, no, he hasn't been CEO of Twitter. This is, see. I don't think Twitter actually has a CEO, to be honest. But um, well, he had that title for a while. He certainly had the title yeah. for a while, yeah. Um, and he's he's de-emphasizing his involvement in the company overall. And so the question is, what's he going to do next? Yeah. Right. And what was your suggestion? Well, um, my suggestion was that. Um, well, all right. He's has two successes, unqualified successes under his belt. Blogger, Blogger and, and Twitter. Twitter. Big. Yeah. And it's left him with that kind of money, you know, not a, maybe not a billion dollars, but probably a few hundred million, easily a few hundred million dollars. He's got to be worth at least a couple hundred Both million. Both amazing million. achievements in my view. Sure. And But money certainly logically can't really be the motivator. I mean, it's really hard to imagine that... Um, that it would be, um, I, you know, maybe it is. Maybe these are just putting these ideas out there for anybody. But the thought is, is that one could create software without even thinking in terms of making any money from it, and um, and that would lead you to a different place. Mm-hmm. For example, you could say, okay, let's make the you know world class content management system without thinking about a business model. No mm-hmm. business model. All I'm going to do is just concentrate on making the very best thing that I can make, do lots of user testing, um, you know, refine it, iterate, you know, lots of new versions and no conflicts of interest because I'm not making any money off consulting or contracting and, you know, right. so I'm gonna, it's going to be really easy and very powerful. Um, another example would be adopt Apache and make it easy. Apache is the standard, you know, web server. Um, Web servers can be a lot easier to set up than Apache is. Um, Apache is good because it's been scaled. The bugs have been taken out. It, it, it works. Problem is, is that you really it's unfair how hard that thing is mm-hmm. to configure. It's it's a you know cr- you cross your eyes. Reading so that's another eyes. possible project. Totally. Dropbox is something we would love to see be an open source. Uh, you know, thing that I can install on my own server mm-hmm. because, frankly, people are taking big chances with Dropbox because it's so damn convenient. It's incredibly useful mm-hmm. piece of software, but really, you ought not be storing a lot of the things people are storing there because you know there's a company who's the company in, yeah, and you know who knows who's going to own that company, who already owns it. I don't really know, you know, and uh, you know, so maybe that would be a good one. It's just a whole host of things that need to get done. That, um, you know, my argument goes like this. You know, a guy like Evan Williams has benefited from a lot of people doing that kind of work. Mm-hmm. It's not that uncommon, actually. It's just um, the l- largely unsung, the people who do the kind of work that, that create the underpinnings that a guy like Evan Williams needs to be successful with uh, Blogger and with Twitter. Uh, and, you know, so give back a little bit. And plus, it's 
I think more fun in a way because you know all these companies are, um, you know, they're, the challenge. Yeah. Well, they're postponing. They're 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 acquiring a business model. You know, like Twitter. Who knows if they actually ever will find a business model, right? We don't know. We don't know. Well, what about disclaiming the business model altogether right. and say, oh, we're never going to find a business model? Maybe you can get, like, even richer doing that. It's quite possible the world's that crazy, you know. Um, but, you know, I wanted to put that out there because I've tried to say this to the VCs a number of times that, that this is sort of the bug in their formula is that there's no pure research in this industry ever gets funded. Nobody mm -hmm. ever does it. Mm -hmm. As a result, you end up the well running dry every 10 years yeah, or so. Yeah, where's the National Science Foundation for publishing tools? And I think that, yeah. well, you see, there you go. Yeah. Right. And, um, well, it's not there. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so wouldn't it be smart to take some of your winnings and just plow it back into let's try to find some new things to do with this stuff, you know? It so, would be. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've been witnessing this strange series of attacks coming from the New York Times and the Huffington Post. Jeff Jarvis wrote about it this morning. Felix Salmon wrote about it a few days ago. Um, Matthew Ingram has written about it. Uh, it includes a couple of Bill Keller columns. Who is Bill Keller? <laughs> it includes an amazingly... Well, that was a serious question. <laughs> an amazingly ill-advised... Twitter post from David Carr in which he suggested I guess it was supposed to be sarcastic that maybe Ariana Huffington could aggregate the Times reporters back to safety oh, did you geez, see that? No. and it was a very weird combination of you know sniping at Ariana and then talking about these th very serious event of four Times reporters who had gone missing in Libya and then we were later released and he um, he got flack for it and he actually deleted it hmm. um, and then there was this really bizarre I, mean, I missed this entirely when did this happen it happened uh, last week I think really yeah um, I noticed it was missing Jeff Jarvis asked him about it on Twitter and uh, Carr said well, um, people said it was in poor taste, so I thought better about it, so I, I deleted it. And Jeff said, well, the Times policy is not to uh, kill things, but to correct them. And um, Carr said back to that, well, it's hard to correct something that's in poor taste, which he said his own tweet was in poor taste. So it, you can find it. Um, actually, I think Jeff dug it up in his post. But it was it was a very strange thing. I mean, taking something that's serious like that and using it to kind of score these trivial competitive points you it's know. water cooler talk is what we were talking yeah. about last week it's like this is what they well it's actually it's, good that we get to hear this it's good yeah it's kind of a slip in a let's way let's reveal yeah. it because that's how they talk amongst themselves yeah it's kind of a slip so it's it's pitiful it's just plain pitiful it's like you know if this it's like if they really were so great then they wouldn't be so threatened you know, I mean, it's it's well. This recent interview that appeared in the New York Times Magazine, yeah, between a Times writer and Ariana Huffington, was really strange because it was just a series of taunts aimed at Ariana, with, in many cases, no questions actually asked, in which the Times writer simply starts tossing at Huffington 
various barbs, criticisms, and one-liners that she's supposed to somehow, like, reply to. And it just seems like, you know, some sort of hissy fit. That's a good <laughs> that, word, yeah. That is put Sometimes into... Sometimes that's the right word. Yeah, it? <laughs> that is put into the most heavily edited, crafted, sculpted section of the paper, which is the Sunday Times magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, And that is also really weird because it's... So what's going on here? You're asking me? Yeah, well, what do you think? It's not a good thing. Um, it's a... Like I said, it's it's what they talk about in the kitchen when they're filling up their coffee pot, coffee cup. Uh, it's a you know, it's a they feel victimized. Uh, you know, they're looking for scapegoats. They they don't like the situation they're in. They've decided. You know, it's the arguments that we were getting from guys like Jason Ponton, right? Remember that whole all that stuff. I mean, and basically, you kind of want to just like just be able to stop the conversation for a minute and interject a question in there and says, well, let's suppose you win this argument, okay? Which is what I would say to David Carr, I guess. Let's suppose you succeed at proving that Arianna Huffington is what you say she is, which you haven't really been clear about that, but let's Uh, assume... uh, A lefty content-stealing... Who likes kittens. Soul-sucking, parasitic... Well, sensationalist have they actually used boob video these are the actual <laughs> words they've used or well, uh, let's, let's no, just stipulate those, that's the underlying we'll, we'll stipulate yeah. for a moment that those are all the things that they've said about her and and you know that's all so let's say you win that argument okay then what what happens then do all of a sudden does do all your problems go away Absolutely not. None of your problems go away. <laughs> She's therefore is not your problem. Mm-hmm. You know. So let's figure out what your problem is. You know. I mean, let's right. adri- address this like adults well, instead of like children. You're going in the direction that I would go with these episodes, which is the same direction I went in my talk in Austin, the South by Southwest. Just I think you can only understand these eruptions as I- cases of institutional psychology. In, in which there's a kind of neurotic behavior being shown. It's more than institutional, though. It's cross-institutional. It's, uh, it, it, they're talking to people like themselves at other organizations that are having the same feelings. You know. Yet the SB Nation is doing the software that they ought to be doing. Uh, and Twitter is doing the software that they ought to be doing. In other words, the real problem that, these, that the Times faces... This is just, all they're doing is masking it to themselves. They're pretending that it's Arianna Huffington because, well, because she's not the problem. <laughs> you know, their problem is that they haven't embraced uh, the, the new realities and aren't building a news organization that fits into, the, the, into today anymore. I mean, they're so divorced from reality. I mean, they're, they're uh, you know, I mean, let's be clear about this paywall crap. I mean... They're pulling themselves out of the main venue of news. I'm starting to get, you know, like I've realized how sloppy I've been in setting up my New York Times subscription. Of I have 18 different computers, okay? Mm-hmm. I've got my iPad. I've got my TV set as a computer. I've got my, uh, you know, my desktop machine. I've mm-hmm. got so many different places I read the news. I've got my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Well, only one of them is the, my main account that's been gifted 
the free subscription. So they're oh, all. It doesn't work on the others. Well, I'm running out. I've hit my. I'm hitting. Oh really? Well, it's April, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm hitting my 20 article limits on uh-huh. these things. I'm starting to get told no. You can't read. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm going. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> so I could get up and yeah. go to my main machine and go f- remember right. what my password is for my main account, or I could just skip it. So uh-huh. what do you think I do? I don't know. What? Skip it. Uh-huh. And, you know, what am I skipping? 99% chance that was going to be a link that goes out to 37,000 people. So did they win? Uh-uh. <laughs> No, those are every event like that is a is a loser. It's a loser. It's a withdrawal. It's a saying we do not want to participate in the world that you live in. Okay. Now, granted, I'm just one person, and they can certainly survive. If I mean, if I stop reading the Times, that's not going to mean the first thing to the survival of the New York Times. True, they'll, they'll be fine, right? But when you here's the awful word: when you aggregate all of us. <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to create negative user experiences, deliberately creating. This is the thing to watch out for. Is like, is like if you put in software, this is something we learn. All of us learn, software developers. Like, let's say you put in, we did copy protection, you know, in the 80s. Uh, you're old enough to remember, probably to remember copy protection, no? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you put a little bad block on the disk, and it has to be bad in a oh, specific yeah. way. And if it's not bad that way, don't boot, okay? And, you know, so this was like an experiment in trying to deprive people of using the software, but being so good about it that you would only deprive the people that were not entitled to use it and never deprive somebody who wasn't entitled. Mm -hmm. In fact, it would always turn out the opposite. You would always be depriving people that were entitled to use it, and the people who weren't entitled to were always going to be able to get through it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a really bad idea. But then there are worse ideas, like, you know, have, don't ever put a command in your program that you invoke when you think somebody's, dis, you know, doing something bad that destroys their data, because sooner or later that is going to execute by accident. <laughs> Sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> you know, people, everybody gets caught in it. Everybody mm-hmm. does it. The Times is doing it now. They did it once before, by the way, too. They had that Time Select thing, paywall. Right. Worked out so well. <laughs> That <laughs> they canceled it, right? Well, they made their targets, but they discovered that they could do better with an open system. That was their spin. No, I think that's what happened. Made their targets. Well, they had certain targets. You don't know what happened there, okay? We don't no. know, and nor do they know. Because I remember it a little bit differently, is that the, this is when the political blogosphere was booting up, was right while they were doing this, Okay. And they gave the biggest gift to the Andrew Sullivans and the Coses and the uh, Josh Marshalls of the world. They said, we're not going to compete with you while you're getting born. All the opinion people on the Times were behind this paywall. You couldn't read them. Well, they definitely suffered a loss of influence in their opinion. That's so right. And they allowed sure, a big sure. competitor definitely. to boot up. Instead, well, they could have the gone the other Blogosphere way. Well, was booting up before that. But That's what I'm saying. But it's like the Guardian all of a sudden, okay... Last week, The Guardian announces they're going to have a U.S. edition, right? Yes. You heard about that. Oh, sure. Do you think there was any accident that that was the same week? That no. Of course it wasn't. No. <laughs> so you create opportunities for your competitors. That's, that doesn't show up on your balance sheet right away. Right. Well, they're, they're very um, convinced that they're, this is the right way to go. Um, and I think part of the explanation for this strange series of attacks is that it comes on the heels of the paywall and 
the uh, anticipated criticism of that. But I, I also think something else is going on here, Dave, which is when when traditional journalists or um, the legacy media people talk about aggregation, there is a fundamental um, lack of empathy for the users involved. They're not looking at it from the user's point of view. Correct. The fact that on the web, each page is equidistant from every other page and from every user is not in their calculations. They're thinking about it completely from the producer's point of view. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at the users as kind of almost an appendage of the producers. Yep. Instead of saying to themselves, how do you serve users in a world with an unlimited number of sources mm -hmm. because if you started there you would see that aggregation is useful it's serving users totally. and if you don't do that you're actually saying to users we're just going to let you flounder in a sea of information mm -hmm. yeah the message of that is that 90 percent of what's in a new york times article isn't important to the reader what it's the 10 percent that they get through huffington is what some of them want. I, I personally, if an article is interesting, I'll read the whole thing on the Times. So I'm like not. Me too, of course I, I do. I never read Huffington Post. Huffington, I've ne the, the only times I've ever read Huffington Post articles is when it's original reporting from Huffington Post. Yeah. I never read their aggregated articles. I always read the Times originals. Um, I sometimes so. see things that I want to read at the Huffington Post and I click through. I never do. I don't see people... Pushing links to Huffington articles either on on Twitter. Or you mean original articles or? No, the original articles is a whole different story. Yeah. They sometimes have very good articles that aren't. No, in I the don't times. see people take. I don't see people pushing links to aggregated material at the Huffington. You Post know, now. in the tech industry, at its best, when people aren't s trying to sue each other out of business, what happens is when somebody starts doing something that you don't like, you know, but they're gaining traction in the market thing you do is you compete with them yeah but, you know? but is that what the news industry did with zeit with what zeit what's zeit z-i-t-e you missed this uh -uh. a bunch of news companies sent a warning letter to a uh, service called zeit z-i-t-e which is like flipboard that displays your links magazine style on the ipad and it was gaining some traction, although it was still very s tiny uh, user base. And a whole bunch of big news providers. The Times did not join them, but like Washington Post, AP, and a whole bunch of others sent them a, a warning letter saying that you're violating copyright. And rather than try to look at what was good about this application or create a personalized news sharing system themselves that would be better they're threatening to sue them you know I'm missing an important piece of data do they are they doing what readability does are they um, basically taking the text of the article and stripping out everything else that was in there there they are there is some ad stripping going on and well, I think it's I, RSS based well I kind of understand what they're doing then I mean you know uh I mean, well, I'm not saying they have a strong legal see, case. Maybe we ought to have a show one of these times where we go through all the things of which I think that where I'm conservative and agree with the publishing industry. 
Well, maybe this I'm, is one. It might be. I mean, sometimes, and I'm a believer in copyright. I mean, if they don't want, well, I'm their, a believer in copyright. If too. they don't want their yeah. content used in a certain way, then you have to respect that. It's plain and simple. It's just the way it is, you know, and it's just being fair. Um, however, I don't think a link is that. You know, a link isn't your property. A link to, you know, you're. Well, it's not just a link. They. The I, I yeah. hear you. I understand, and that's why I might definitely side with them. Yeah. I ha I talked with Rich Ziadi, a, a guy who runs Readability, before they launched, uh, well in advance of their launch of their uh, program, where they're trying to get royalties from. You know, tr trying to create a pool, a royalty pool, mm -hmm. right, where users pay them money voluntarily. It's mm -hmm. kind of weird. They 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 pay. Readability money, voluntarily, a subscription, which Readability then will distribute to the publishers based on frequency of their articles being read. Yeah, there's another service like that, Kachingle. But is I, similar. I told him, yeah. I said, you know what's going to happen is the m first time you try to deliver a check to the New York Times, they're going to sue your ass. Right. Because they, they're going to be very offended by you offering them money. They're right. going to say, who the hell are you? Right. You know, and, and that... That I, already happened, actually, with Kachingle, I think. I kind of understand, yeah. you know. It's like, it's it's a little too idealistic, uh -huh. you know. Although, I'll tell you something, there are sometimes, not with the New York... T why don't we go a little over, because it's starting to get interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, so sometimes it does at the end, right? Um you know, that, that sometimes it does get to be a little bit much, but never on the time sites. I just read it with the ads, the hell with it, you know. I don't need the ads stripped out. Their articles are very readable, with even with – although the interstitials right. are a real problem. That I that I really – that if they keep pushing the envelope on that one – The LA Times is particularly bad. They deserve what they get. Yeah. If they – it's like Salon is the worst. I mean, you know, you start reading the article, yeah. or The Economist is terrible. You know, I, and I, I got – I said this on Twitter, and they're like, CTO says, well, we don't understand what you're talking about. And I said to myself, do you read your own articles? Mm. <laughs> and it's like, The Economist. How could it be The Economist doing this? But Right. Um, well, you should check out the case of Zeit and see what you think. Yeah. I'll yeah. put the links into the show notes. Yeah. I, it's just sad that the that, – that, um, that the the discussion has to be. This is why I, I. This is my big thing. I think that they need to, at the times especially, they need to have more than David Carr writing about media. Well, they do. They have others. Well, he's the main voice, and he is not a thinker. He's not creative. He's not. Um, they need somebody who's really, really thinking about not n negatively about the context of 2011. But is super excited about it. Mm -hmm. you know, we've been through this. I think I've, I've said this. Well, so they have many Nick Bilton. Who's not what I'm thinking about. Excited <laughs> about the future. I think yeah. David Carr's a brilliant stylist. Well, he maybe a lot of things, but when he writes about tends to defend the news business in certain ways. Well, you know, it's not constructive because, you know, t there are a lot of people sort of watching this and shaking their heads going, you know, what Arianna Huffington does has quite a bit of integrity. <laughs> and um, and she's clever, she's intelligent, and she's doing something. And I honestly don't know what the Times is doing. And it's like, it's if they think that by taking these cheap shots at her, they're doing anything but just, like, 
digging in with the wrong people. Yeah, I don't understand how it helps it, them at all. It doesn't it's, help It's them. a complete loser. It's every, that's right. Yeah. And so what they need is somebody with the authority of the times to say, this guy doesn't speak for the times. Or if he does, let's Well, just it's hard when the editor is doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I think maybe that's a good note on all right. to leave today. <laughs> See uh, you next week. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Bye.